A note for those teaching with the book. The book is organized chronologically, especially until chapter 10, and following the chronology is probably the most appropriate way to teach a course using the book. However, there is also a way to use the book in a course that follows a more thematic organization. Approached this way, chapters 1 and 2 are background, chapters 3, 4, 10, and 14 form a block focused on issues about evidence, testing, and theory choice. Chapters 5 to 11 discuss scientific change and the social organization of science, along with the interaction between these topics and epistemological questions. Chapters 12 and 13 address issues more on the metaphysical than the epistemological side of the philosophy of science. The book might also be used, of course, as a supplement to lectures and readings with a very different organization. 1. Introduction 1.1. Setting Out This book is a survey of roughly 100 years of argument about the nature of science. We'll look at 100 years of argument about what science is, how it works, and what makes science different from other ways of investigating the world. Most of the ideas we will examine fall into the field called philosophy of science, but we will also spend a good deal of time looking at ideas developed by historians, sociologists, psychologists and others. The book mostly has the form of a grand tour through the decades. Ideas will be discussed in roughly the order in which they appeared. Note the word roughly in the previous sentence. There are exceptions to the historical structuring of the book, and I will point out some of them as they arise. Why is it best to start with older ideas and work through to the present? One reason is that the historical development of general ideas about science is itself an interesting topic. Another reason is that the philosophy of science has been in a state of fermentation and uncertainty in recent years. A good way to understand the maze of options and opinions in the field at the moment is to trace the path that brought us to the state we're in now. But this book does not only aim to introduce the options. I will often take sides as we go along, trying to indicate which developments were probably wrong turns or red herrings. Other ideas will be singled out as being on the right track. Then toward the end of the book, I will start trying to put the pieces together into a picture of how science works. Philosophy is an attempt to ask and answer some very basic questions about the universe and our place within it. These questions can sometimes seem far removed from practical concerns. But the debates covered in this book are not of that kind. Though these debates are connected to the most abstract questions about thought, knowledge, language and reality, they have also turned out to have an importance that extends well outside of philosophy. They have made a difference to developments in many other academic fields, and some of the debates have reverberated much further, affecting discussions of education, medicine, and the proper place of science in society. In fact, throughout the latter part of the 20th century, all the fields concerned with the nature of science went on something of a roller coaster ride. Some people thought that work in the history, philosophy and sociology of science had shown that science does not deserve the dominating role it has acquired in Western cultures. They thought that a set of myths about the trustworthiness and superiority of mainstream science had been thoroughly undermined. Others disagreed, of course, and the resulting debates swirled across the intellectual scene, frequently entering political discussion as well. From time to time, scientific work itself was affected, especially in the social sciences. These debates came to be known as the Science Wars, a phrase that conveys a sense of how heated things became. The Science Wars eventually cooled down, 
but now, as I write these words, it is fair to say that there is still a great deal of disagreement about even the most basic questions concerning the nature and status of scientific knowledge. These disagreements usually do not have much influence on the day-to-day -day practice of science, but sometimes they do, and they have huge importance for general discussions of human knowledge, cultural change, and our overall place in the universe. This book aims to introduce you to this remarkable series of debates, and to give you an understanding of the present situation. 1.2. The Scope of the Theory If we want to understand how science works, it seems that the first thing we need to do is work out exactly what we are trying to explain. Where does science begin and end? Which kinds of activity count as science? Unfortunately, this is not something we can settle in advance. There is a lot of disagreement about what counts as science.